walking is when your best ideas come to life. The Wisdom Walks podcast and community is an inspired network of over 35,000 dedicated to exploring creative solutions to life's biggest challenges and opportunities. Enjoy listening to our podcast interviews coupled with wisdom from experts and leaders from all walks of life. In-person Wisdom Walks will be scheduled throughout the year. Receive actionable tips to become the leader you were meant to be. Enjoy ideas to be healthier, happier, and more successful. Learn from supportive guests that share wise and highly personal stories of transformation. We'll provide you with prompts and suggested songs to couple with your walks. I'm your host, Lee Mitchell, a community builder and brand strategist. Follow and listen to the Wisdom Walks podcast on your favorite social media platforms with hashtag Wisdom Walks Podcast. When you hear the Wisdom to Walk music, it's now time to speed up. Lolly Daskal is one of the most sought-after executive leadership coaches in the world. Her extensive cross-cultural expertise spans 14 countries, 6 languages, and hundreds of companies. As the founder and CEO of Lead From Within, her leadership program is engineered to be a catalyst for leaders who want to enhance performance and make a meaningful difference in their companies, their lives, and the world. Of her many awards and accolades, Lolly was designated a top 50 leadership and management expert by Inc., 100 great leadership speakers for your next conference, and speakers at your next event by Inc. Magazine. Her writing has appeared in Inc., Fast Company, Huffington Post, and Psychology Today, amongst others. Lolly's insights are the subject of her book, The Leadership Gap, What Gets Between You and Your Greatness, and it is available in bookstores now. I'm so excited to welcome Lolly to our podcast. So we're going to dive into how we thrive as leaders in this podcast. And I'd like to start with uh, you just briefly introducing yourself and, and telling us what propelled you to go into your field of coaching and to write this amazing book? So that's a great question. But for me, I didn't wake up one morning and decide that I wanted to be a leadership coach. It was something that happened to me instead of something that I decided to be. When I was very young, I had some challenges in my life and I went to figure out how I can survive them. And I took all kinds of programs and I became a student of psychology and philosophy And then I became a facilitator of workshops. I find in life that you actually end up teaching what you most need to learn. And so it happened that in one of my workshops, an individual came over to me after the workshop and said how great it was and that it was life-changing. And he said, can I talk to you about a business problem that I have? And I kept thinking to myself, why is he talking to me about business? I know everything about the human behavior, but I'm not sure I know things about business. And, and for a few minutes, I thought, like, maybe I'm an imposter. Maybe he doesn't know who I am. And I started to have self-doubt in myself. But then I said, Lolly, you're very good at what you do. You have some competence and you have some capabilities. So why don't you tap into those? And I did. And when he was talking to me about his business and his problems, I actually, instead of fixing his problem, which I talk about in my new book, 
I became a navigator. I became the archetype and the persona of someone who listens, someone who takes in information, but guides someone instead of fixing a problem. And he really liked the way I was dealing with his problem. And he said, you know what? You're going to be part of my team. You're going to be part of my staff. You need to be part of my organization. And he was my first client, actually, as a leadership coach and business consultant. But he loved my work so much. He was the person that recommended me to so many people. And most of my work is a recommendation anyway. And that's how my business started. That's how I became a leadership coach and business consultant. But one thing is very important to understand is because I didn't feel that I had the competence and the capabilities of being a leadership coach, I took myself to school. I mastered everything that I could find on organizational behavior and organizational design and change management. It wasn't something that even though I, he was asking me to be something and be someone, I didn't feel I was ready. So I went back to school to find out how, how I could be ready. So I could show up to be capable. So I should, so I could be competent and have the confidence that I need to do the job that he wanted me to do. So you, in your uh, book, you talk about different types or styles of leaders. What type of leader would you describe yourself as? So interestingly enough, in my book, The Leadership Gap, What Gets Between You and Your Greatness, there are seven archetypes. But the wisdom in the book is that we're not one archetype. We are all these archetypes that are in with us because these archetypes are based on virtues, virtues of confidence, candor, courage, integrity, trust, and loyalty. We all have those virtues. The question is, which virtue, which archetype needs to show up? in this given moment. Because for every archetype, there is a leadership gap. So in the moment that he asked me to help him with his business, I needed to be the archetype of the rebel who was confident. Mm. But really what was going on for me, I had the leadership gap of the imposter who had self-doubt. And this happens to 99.1% of very successful individuals. This kind of persona and this kind of gap happens within all of us. It's not only for me. I'm sure people listening right now to this podcast are saying, yes, I suffer from the imposter syndrome. The question is, and what I teach in my new book is, how do you leverage it? Because we, we can't just be our strengths. We do have weaknesses. But in order to be a whole person, we have to really own both parts Something that I always tell my clients, what we don't own, owns us. And that day, I could have not owned, you know, being the rebel. And I could have not owned being the confident person that I am. And I would have been stuck in the imposter and the self-doubt. And maybe I wouldn't have the business that I have today. Wow, that's really powerful. So some of the advice that I got when I started out as an entrepreneur was that whole idea of fake it till you make it. What do you think about that? <laughs> that is the worst advice I have. I write to a nauseam about this. I hate that. Wow. And that's a very strong word because I use love a lot. So I can use hate a lot. Um, <laughs> I think it sends the wrong message. And the most important thing that I tell my clients is find out what you're really good at. And then what you don't know, learn. I've, I've taken my own advice. So you don't have to fake it until you make it. You can be authentic and you could be real every step of the game. And I know it's very popular to say fake it till you make it, but I'm not a big believer in that. 
Yeah, I, I personally have found that to grow into myself as a leader, I had to change that idea that I had to be something that I didn't feel I was because then yeah, that's when that, that imposter syndrome pops up big time. So thanks for clarifying that. I think that's really powerful advice. Um, so the next uh, questions I'm going to ask you are five, five questions. <laughs> and so um, the first question is, what is one of your favorite go-to metrics to measure your success? What a great, so that's a great question. Thank you for asking. And it's a powerful question. What I, my company's called Lead From Within. So what I do to measure my success is go inward. Everything that I do is measured from within. One of the aspects of the imposter syndrome is the, the driver, the foundation, comes from always busy comparing yourself to others. And I have learned that if I'm comparing myself to others, and I learned this decades ago, then I will never be successful. And my companies lead from within. So what I do every single day is go inward, measure my own success against what I am doing, and then always learning to take myself to the next level. And for me, success is all about meaning and purpose and making a difference. And so it's not measured by money or by scales or by metrics of something that you can quantify, but it's something that comes from the heart. It's very meaningful to me. It's very heartfelt to me. And when I'm out of sync, I know immediately. But when I'm in my flow, I said, wow, I need, this is where I need to be. And that's success to me. Uh, that's very powerful. I know for myself, uh, I stopped f focusing on how much money I was making a few years ago. And it was about what is the quality of my life? How does my life feel? And so that's how I evaluate decisions now, because before it was, you know, sort of done on impulse and whether I thought it was going to sound good. And now I'm about, you know, how's this going to feel, you know, in, in the middle, at the end, <laughs> You know, what's the outcome going to be for me from a personal standpoint? So I, I think that's great that your goals come from within. Uh, next question. This one should be kind of interesting, I'm sure, given that you're on the book tour right now uh, in terms of uh, promoting your book. How many hours of sleep do you get per night? I'm the wrong person to ask that question because I don't get much sleep. <laughs> I get, if anything, three to three and a half hours of sleep. I'm the wrong, I told you, I'm the wrong person to ask. Okay. <laughs> and it's not healthy, and some people won't be able to survive on that. Uh, but I'm a unique individual that I have never needed much sleep, and I begin my day every morning at 4.30 because I have a discipline that I do at 4.30. Mm -hmm. And um, with everything that I'm doing right now, I'm, I'm, I am putting in 20-hour days. And I know it sounds very unhealthy, but one thing about me that I found is when I'm very focused – when I am um, very focused on a goal or what I have to do and I want to do it well and do it with excellence, it gives me energy. It doesn't deter energy. So it's okay for me to work the way I'm working because it's not that I'm 
it's not that I'm taking away something from myself. I'm actually adding. I, I feel fueled. I feel energized. I love talking to people. I love talking about the book. I love meeting people. And so all of this really feeds me. It's almost like being, you know, this is such a horrible um, example, but when a rock star goes on stage and they're performing, they get off stage and they can't go to sleep. They're like, where's the next party? And so lately, that's how I'm feeling. Not that I'm a rock star, but it's like, where's the next party? Where can I talk about the leadership gap again? Oh, that's so, so obviously, you're feeling great passion for what you do, and that really fuels you right now. So that's, that's fabulous. Um, you, you get up at 4.30 in the morning. Do you have any rituals that you follow um, that help you to thrive? Absolutely. So between the hours of 4.30 and 6.30, every single day, I read a book, a whole complete book. Because I have found, let's go back to the imposter syndrome, when I was suffering from feeling all this self-doubt, I said, Lolly, what do you need to be more capable and more competent? And that was more knowledge. And the way I get my knowledge, the way I take myself back to school, the way I have great mentors, I have great mentors in my life I've never met, but I've met them in my books. And they are my teachers. And so I read a book. And I learn something new. And I'm, when I'm with my clients all day, I have something new to bring that I didn't have yesterday. So that really feeds me. How do you make your choice around what books to read? What a great question. It has to do with what I'm feeling. Lately, I'm very into philosophy and psychology. But there was a while that I was all into poetry and I was all into um, management. I read a lot of leadership books and business books. And biographies, I just told my kids the other night at dinner, 2017 to 2018, from summer to summer, will only be biographies. So I'm only going to concentrate on biographies. And I asked them to help me with, you know, they have to come up with 52 biographies. That's per week. And I'll fill in what I want to fill in. Wow, that's great. So is that a challenge uh, in your with the busy schedule to manage a family? Well, my kids are grown right now, but I was a single mother for many years when I had three young children. And one of the things that I learned a long time ago is, is that where I am, there I shall be. Meaning who I am with, that's the most important person. If you and I are having a conversation, this is what matters most. And so I'm with my kids at dinner, it's with my kids. When I'm working with a client, I'm working with a client. But let's be full transparent. I've always told every single one of my clients, my kids know that if it's an emergency, they can call me. And if they call me, they need my attention because my kids come first. They've never done it. I have never had to leave anything, but I wanted my kids to know they were number one. And it's very important to make priorities in your life and let those who are number one know they're number one. Because if they don't know, they tap into you more often. If they know that at any given moment you'll do anything for them, they don't tap in as often because they know you'll be there for them. But the moment someone feels that they can't get your attention, they just want more of you. So I, a long time ago, became very present. When you hear the Wisdom to Walk music, it's now time to speed up. very available and very accessible to the person that I am with. So it sounds like you practice a very mindful approach to both your parenting and your business in general, which I think is really a smart way to live. 
there's no difference. My business, my professional, and my personal are the same. I actually asked my kids the other day, "Is there?" Because I've been, you know, I've been on a lot of podcasts, actually, 225 lately, and people have been asking some really interesting questions. And one in particular said, "What would your kids say? What kind of person you are? Are you different at home than you are at work?" And I said, "Absolutely not. I am the same. I bring all of me to everything that I do, wherever I am." Hmm. Oh, that's really interesting. I think as entrepreneurs too, it's kind of cha- it would be challenging not to show up completely as you are because everything is intersected when when you work for yourself. I think so. But I've spoken. Work. <laughs> I know, but you think about it this way: if you're an entrepreneur, there's so many things that are happening all at once, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the question is, what's the most important thing that needs that attention right now? Mm-hmm. Make what's important number one. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes we we pay attention to something, but it's not even important to us. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, we go, "Why did we focus on that?" So I'm very cognizant of what is very very important. So do you have children too? I do. I have uh, two children, and uh, I have a 12 year old and eight year old. And so, yes, I am. I've had a journey of you know getting used to how to manage my life and my business and and be and what I found for myself personally was that I was doing quite well as a mother and quite well as a business owner but not self-care was not a priority and self-compassion was not a priority and so that started to really impact me so a year ago I made a choice to set out how I wanted the end of my year to look like and then work backwards so anything that wasn't important, I learned to say no to. Uh, so last year I ran a half marathon. Um, I started doing uh, like walking at least three or four days a week. I, you know, I really decided these are the things that are important to me. And so I had to learn how to say no to the things that weren't a priority. And so that really helped me to, and, and then I think I was also more present as a parent too, because I decided to take this more or less take the summer off. So yeah, thanks for asking. <laughs> uh, the next question is, what, is uh, what book or app would you recommend to others? So since I read a book a day, I'm in love with many books, but there's one book that I reread on my birthday every year, hmm. and it's The Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. When I first read the book when I was 18 years old, it meant something to me. It meant that all the challenges that I was going through, if I was to survive them, I would have to find meaning. And that's what he taught me. But then when I read it again, when I was in my 20s and again in my 30s and again in my 40s and so on, I found that the book had different meanings to me every time I read it. Every year it was different. And I think that the best, I think it was in my 30s when um, the takeaway was that when you cannot change a situation, life asks you to challenge to change yourself. And again, it was like, wow, this is perfect. At 30, I'm now doing something different. I need to change not, you know, the situation because it is what it is. I need to change myself. What does that mean exactly? And again, it made me be more mindful. It made me be more, um, so if everybody's listening, I think there is a war going on in New York City. It's like, I'm so sorry. We have all the windows closed and locked and I'm sitting in this really quiet room. But if you hear those sirens, 
maybe it's something tapping us on our shoulder and say, let's just tell somebody that we need to love them. Let's take that as a sign. Oh, I but, love that. <laughs> but going back to what I was saying is that I read Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. It's one of my favorite books. Mm-hmm. But I reread them because I always find there's something new for me to learn. Hmm. I like that you have a ritual that you practice um, on your birthday. I actually just celebrated my birthday as well. And so, uh, someone asked me, you know, do you have any goals for for your head? And I thought, oh, that's really interesting. I never thought of it as being, uh, you know, a whole new year to make changes in my life because I think of the new year as that. And uh, so that just, it, it gave me some interesting perspective. Uh, and so I know for myself, I, I just like, I just want to f- continue to focus on slowing down. And uh, yeah, I, I'm just really getting, tapping into, you know, what is really a priority in my life. So um, I, I think having a ritual around your birthday sounds like something that everyone can really benefit from. Um, is there a leader, CEO, or person that you're following right now on a regular basis? That, and what's, what resonates with you about that person? So that's a very interesting question. Because for me, a leader, the definition of a leader is someone who's influencing someone and someone who's impacting someone's lives. So the people that really mean something to me is the nurses that are helping people, the doctors that are saving people's lives, the teachers that are teaching our children. It's the sports coaches that are spending their time with our children. Those are the people that are really impacting my lives. Those are the people that I think are leaders of today because they're grooming the next generation. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's not so much about title and about position, but it's more about how they're influencing people around them. It's those people that we might not put, you know, put up in headlights and say, these are leaders. So that's for me at this moment who I really, when I walk, when I give keynotes and I go into communities, I stand and applaud them. It's because it's they who are really creating the emerging leaders. And that's who I look up to. Mm. I think maybe there was some symbolism in hearing the sirens just, you know, with everything that happened in Manchester and the, and so like, you know, everyday heroes that, you know, people that just like I I heard on the news about a a taxi uh, cab uh, owner who was giving out, telling all of his drivers to give out free rides to anyone who was stranded. And, you know, this, that everyday humanity of people just making a difference and uh, and not looking for anything in return for it. So, so aren't those the leaders? Those are the oh, leaders. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I that's agree with that. and that's who we should be talking about. It's those people that are of service to others mm-hmm. that are not in headlines and they don't have those titles and they don't have the positions. And you don't read them about in magazine and newspapers. Those are the heroes. Now, I work with um, leaders around the world that are truly making impact in the world. But the truth is, is I teach them all the time and I coach them that it's not really about us. You know, in my book, I talk about that the true leaders are leaders who are serving others mm-hmm. and not so much about serving themselves or thinking mm-hmm. about themselves. Mm-hmm. And if we can groom everybody to think that way, we'd have a much better world. Absolutely. Uh, it's all about the mission and the impact that we're creating in the world. Um, is there, a, so that's a good segue actually, is there a project, charity, or community that you're passionate about? Absolutely. Um, homelessness. Mm. Um, it's interesting in New York City, I was just talking about this to someone the other day, there was a while that 
you, the homeless weren't everywhere. These days, you cannot walk down one block and you see people sleeping on the street. It looks much like a, you know, it's interesting, but it looks like a war zone. It looks like people have been stranded and abandoned on the streets of New York. And I live in a beautiful neighborhood and yet people are everywhere. If you go out after midnight, you can't help but see people all over the streets. When we had a different mayor, it was different, but we've gone a little backwards. I feel like we're going a little bit backwards and we're not helping the poor. We're not helping the hungry. We're not helping those that are needed. And so let's not look outside and see what the people of the titles and the positions are doing. Let's make it our mission as individuals to go out and help those on the streets. And do me a favor, when you see a homeless person, don't give them your half-eaten sandwich. Mm. Go out and buy them a new sandwich mm. or ask them what they want. A homeless person has very little choices. Ask them what they want and go in and buy it for them or give them the money so they can have the dignity to buy it themselves. Don't give them your used clothing and don't give them your half-eaten sandwiches or pizzas or when you're leaving a restaurant. Give them something fresh and give them a choice. Oh, that's what an amazing way to end this podcast. Uh, I so appreciate all of what you've set, shared with us. And, and uh, I think that's certainly a fabulous place to stop. Um, I want to thank you so much for being on our podcast today. And I know that you have a very busy schedule, but the fact that you made time and had to reschedule with me because of my <laughs> schedule. So I, I think the world of you and really appreciate all of the advice and wisdom that you have to share with the world. And so just remember uh, your, the book, uh, The Leadership Gap is uh, now available. Where can they find that? So go to Amazon and when you look, you look at it on Amazon, don't just get one book. Get a book for those that you love. Because in that book, the message, the core message is that greatness lies within everyone. Can you imagine if you give this book to someone and you're telling them that greatness is within you? That's love. That's leadership. That's humanity. So buy only not, not one book, but more than one. Mm, and give it to someone who could really use it. That's, that's great advice. Thank you so much, Lolly. I hope that you have a thriving day. You too. Thank you.